Welcome to the Destiny Church Tees Valley podcast. As you listen, it is our prayer that you were transformed through faith, hope, and love. Um, I'm in the series uh, on the gifts that were given to Jesus when he was born. Um, uh, he was, as we, we heard last week, he was not necessarily just a baby, and although we often portray Jesus as a baby, that actually when the wise men came, uh, he was, uh, could have been anything from, say, 18 months to two years, certainly probably under two years for the simple reason that Herod wanted, uh, went out to kill all the children uh, that were under two, you know, two years and younger. So uh, Herod knew the rough time of that, and so we are able to know that uh, that it had been a time by which he came, and obviously the, the wise men were the ones that had gone to him asking where uh, Jesus was, and so the whole setup. But it's a phenomenal uh, story, and of course it was pictured very well yesterday. Um, I wish I was able to show you that little bit with the wise men from yesterday. So for those of you that were there, you'll just have to picture it again in your mind that, uh, that these uh, magi that came from uh, the east. We don't know much about them, but we do know that uh, that they would have been wealthy, uh, they would have been wise, and uh, they would have uh, would, they, they were people who were uh, philosophers, thinkers, people who were able to read and understand some of the ancient texts, and to go back to over seven hundred or more years uh, to read the prophecies of the coming king, the newborn king that was uh, to be born. And, uh, and so they followed the star. It uh, must have been a fantastic thing for them to be part of um, and to the, the whole journey uh, that they were on. And so they brought, th- as we know, three gifts, which is why we often think that there's three of them and, uh, and tradition even names them. But, uh, we, so we don't fully know, but we do know that they brought these gifts and they had meaning, these gifts. They weren't they weren't just willy-nilly. They weren't just, oh, I fancy bringing some gold or I fancy bringing some frankincense or I fancy bringing some myrrh. They had deep spiritual significance uh, to, what they, to what they meant uh, because obviously to, to a baby or to even to a two-year-old, the, what they brought really didn't mean a lot and wasn't, uh, for, for most of the fact, uh, uh, you know, Kind of the kind of thing that you would bring to, to mums and dads of newborn babies, is it? But they would have been very valuable, certainly to get some gold. We know the value of gold, a gal, uh, you know, just an ounce of gold uh, is worth, I think, is around about 1,500 pounds. So it's not a, 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 a small amount, is it, in what it's worth? But, uh, but Jesus didn't live a life of luxury. Despite the, the value of these, these gifts, he didn't. Uh, live a, a life that of, of luxury. He was born um, in, a, in, a, in a manger. He was born uh, somewhere where you wouldn't really want, even today we wouldn't want our children to be born. And uh, so he was, he was deemed. But these wise men, and I think this is the key for us, is to remember if we are going to be wise, we need to be like the wise men, and that is to go searching for Jesus, is to find Jesus, is to go look for him, and most of all, to worship him. Because that's what they did. They came and worshipped him. Yes, when they saw the star, it says in Matthew 2, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary. And they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I wonder if you've ever 
received some unusual gifts. And maybe you want to think for a moment about some of the unusual things. I was thinking about it and I thought about something and then I thought, no, I can't tell those. Um, it might be a bit embarrassing. Um, but, uh, but sometimes we get some of the strangest gifts, don't we? Do you know what I mean? And there are some gifts that you get and you think to yourself, okay, I'll bring that gift out when they come and visit. <laughs> but other than that, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna hide it in the loft somewhere. Um, but, uh, but, but so it, it can be, uh, these were in many ways unusual gifts, particularly uh, frankincense, which we talked about last week. <clears throat> Because that was used in worship. It signified that Jesus was to be worshipped. It's not the normal thing that you would bring to a child or bring to parents of a newborn, but it really was that symbolism that he was going to be one who was the high priest. He was one who was to be worshipped. He was the one who would offer worship and uh, on behalf of the people of God. He would, he would uh, present a sacrifice to God uh, for the forgiveness of sins, and he would offer prayers on behalf of the people of God. And so it's important that we understand these gifts, and we talked about frankincense and its meaning about that last week. And this week we're going to talk about myrrh. Now, I don't know if you've ever had myrrh or you know much about myrrh, um, but it's, an, again, probably one of the most unusual of gifts uh, to get. It is a gum-like substance, um, it is mentioned 17 times in the Bible, and occasionally it is used as an anesthetic. And of course, we know that it was offered to Jesus on the cross. Um, they offered uh, him wine mixed with myrrh. <clears throat> um, but it was a, a very common ingredient when embalming the dead. Um, and so, of course, it speaks of death. It speaks of, uh, of why Jesus came. Jesus came to die. And you might say, well, we all die at some point. Yes, but he was born specifically with his own mission on his life was to die for the sins of the world. He was born to die for the world. Not die for his own sins like you and I do, but he was born to die so that you and I could know forgiveness, so that we could know eternal life, so that we could know grace and mercy and know what it is to have the love of God and enter into a relationship with him. And so it speaks to us of Jesus being born as the Lamb of God. The lamb was born, the lambs were used in the Old Testament as a sacrifice. Uh, they were, it was so prevalent in the Old Testament uh, of uh, the lamb being killed uh, as, a, and as a representative and taking on the sin of the person that was, uh, that was offering it. And so Isaiah 53 is what I want us to look at a little bit this morning for just a, a few brief uh, moments. But Isaiah 53 is quite unusual in the fact that Isaiah 53 is one of those scriptures that is talking about the birth of Jesus, the Messiah. And it is written, though, 700 years prior to the event, yes, so I want you to imagine for a moment that, it, could you imagine if you could predict the scores of the World Cup, who the two teams would be? Now, of course, we know England has got to be one of them, <laughs> said with faith. Um, but, um, but, but if you knew the score, if you knew all that kind of thing, even now, 
we would think, okay, you could make yourself a little fortune, maybe at the bookies on it. But can you imagine that this is here? He is declaring this through the inspiration of God over 700 years prior to the event. And the accuracy of the things that happen is mind-blowing. Yes? In fact, if you're really interested in the details, I'll hopefully bring a few of those out. But if you're really interested in the details and some of the things with regard to the prophecies uh, of that, is to get a book by Josh McDowell called Evidence That Demands a Verdict. It's, a, it's quite an old book now, but it is a phenomenal book, and it's just full of, uh, of facts and, uh, and quotes and all sorts of things. It will build your faith like nothing else. It is a phenomenal book to get and, uh, and to read uh, because of that. And so it is important for us to realize that we have been uh, given, uh, the Lamb of God was born for us to take away our sins. For the simple reason you and I are sinners. You and I have blown it. You and I have done wrong. We, we know that. We don't need anybody to tell us because we're usually our own biggest critics. Um, I've never met anyone yet that thought that they were perfect and never said anything wrong or done anything wrong. You know, and that's what Cass says about me. She says, there's only two, two, two things that are wrong with you. Everything you say and everything you do. <laughs> but, uh, but, it, but it is, it's that we, we understand that, don't we? We have, we have done things, we have gone places where we shouldn't have gone. Uh, that's called trespassing. In other words, going somewhere uh, where you're not allowed to go. Uh, you, we miss the mark. We, uh, we are, God has a standard and we don't get this. You know, we miss that so many times. And so we understand that. And so all our life we're often yearning to, have, to, to know what it is to be guilt-free, to no longer have the shame of some of the things that, we're done, that we have done. And so this is why Jesus paid the price. That's why he was born in Bethlehem, so that, the, that you and I today, 2,000 years later, can still know the freedom, can still know what it is to have our sins forgiven, to live differently, to have the hope that Brian talked about earlier on our lives. He came to solve our problem, not his problem. And Isaiah 53 verse 6 says this. It says, all of us, that's all of us, <laughs> okay, uh, without exception, like sheep have strayed away, we have left God's paths to follow our own. And we have, haven't we? We have done our own thing. Now, I don't know about you, but that thing of that, that where it talks there and it says this, is that all of us like sheep. Now, I don't know about you, that, that's not really a compliment, is it? To be called a sheep is not really a... If it called us a lion, ho-ho, or something kind of like a leopard or a cheetah or, or a, you know, even an elephant, we could have got away thinking he thought something of our size and our weight or something or other. Um, but Or even an eagle or something like that would have been good. But you see, sheep are not the sharpest knife in the drawer. They're not the brightest, you know, um, of, of the animal kingdom. They are often referred to as because they are pretty dumb, aren't they? Yes? Now, I don't know about you, but you can't train a sheep. You can train a lion. You can train eagles. You can train elephants. You can train a dog. Marvelous dogs. So he didn't call us a dog, did he? He called us a sheep, yes. Now, sheep are weak, 
They're weak, they're witless, and they're wayward. They are weak, that they are defenseless. There's no strength. They have very little strength. They're not like a lion. They're not fast uh, like a leopard. They're no quills to shoot. Uh, they have no poisonous fangs or tongue that can help them. They, are, they, they gather in a huddle. So if anything ever happens, they just get in a huddle. So, for example, that's why the sheepdogs have a quite an easy time because they can run away and they all run the other way. They all kind of run together, don't they? So in other words, if one goes over a cliff, guess what? They all go over the cliff. And that's a fact. In Turkey in 2005, 1,500 sheep walked off a cliff because one went, they all went, yes? However remarkable, only 400 of those 1,500 died. You know why? Because the 400 became a cushion for the rest of the I just, but that's a sheep mentality. Yes, we just follow the herd, get in the herd and do that. Secondly, sheep um, are, are wayward. Yes, so they're, they're, they're weak, they're witless. In other words, they're just, you know, no brains. They just follow off each other into danger. Secondly, they're wayward. In other words, they just will wander off and do their own thing. And that's you and I, isn't it? We wander off and do our own thing. We want to go where we want to go. We want to do what we want to go. Uh, we know other people do things, so we just follow them aimlessly. And uh, we don't think for ourselves so often. We, we go easily into, into things. We chase things. We chase approval. Uh, we chase um, just uh, the desires that we have, all these kind of things. And so that's why he says, all of us like sheep have strayed away we have left, verse 6 and 7, we have left God's paths to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. I wonder, have you ever been hurt? Have you ever been, um, someone, someone betrayed you? Have you ever been in the, situation where you've been left out of something or you've been misunderstood. I want to tell you that whatever situation you've been through, like we talked about last week, Jesus understands. He understands where you have been. And so I just think it's fantastic. Verses three to five says this, he was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised, and we did not care. Yet he was our weakness. Uh, it, yes, it, yes, sorry. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down, and we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. I want to ask you, why should we follow Jesus? Yes, for the simple reason, he understands what pain is. He is one who understands all that we go through and has provided a way for us. I want to say to you, if we fully understood the magnitude of his suffering, if we understood what he was willing to go through and the pain that he undertook for you and for me, we would not be very complacent about our Christianity. 
We wouldn't just think, oh, okay, it's, it wouldn't be seen as a hobby. It wouldn't be seen as kind of, well, we'll come if everything kind of seems, seems going well. I've nothing else to do today. I've, uh, I've not got this down other so I guess what, I'll tell you what, I'll come to church today or I'll go to my connect. I want to say to you that because of what he did, if you understand what he did and appreciate that, I want to tell you it changes the way you see your life and see the way that God loves you and appreciates you and what he did for you and you would bend your life desiring to give back desiring to say thank you. How can my life today be a thank you for what you have done for me? How can I? Am I just going to search for the things uh, today? Am I just going to kind of uh, be thinking of me and my family um, and my situation and my circumstances? Am I just going to be kind of concerned with that? Or am I going to say, God, because of you and because of what you've done today, I'm not going to live uh, according to what I uh, want to do because we understand that Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane didn't say well okay I'll, I'll go so far father I'll just do a certain amount no he actually went through the pain it says that he sweated drops of blood from himself that is a technical term is hemosideriosis okay or something like that um, which means it comes as a result of extreme Shock, extreme trauma. It's when the capillaries around sweat pores leak blood into the sweat. That is the agony of Jesus at that point. It isn't just a case of, oh Lord, I'd like to do this, but oh, if you do it, okay, no problem. Yes, he's, he agonized over the cross. He understood the pain of the cross and was willing even so to go there because of the joy that was set before him. What's the joy? The joy is you and me. The joy is seeing a family in heaven. The joy is of pleasing the Father. Hallelujah. I believe that that is so unbelievable. He was arrested. He was falsely accused. He was unfairly tried. He was sentenced to death by a cruci crucifixion. He was stripped naked and the shame with that. He was given a crown of thorns. The thorns would have been one to two inches in length. They spit on him. They struck him. They whipped him. They beat him again and again. They gave blows to his head. They drove thorns into his scalps. And Isaiah implies that likely they pulled out his beard, beaten so bloody that he was unrecognizable. I don't know if you've ever seen the Passion film. That's a, a great film uh, by Mel Gibson. That really does, I think, portray uh, the, how gory the cross was and the pain that he went, uh, went through. This was him, and not only on top of all that pain and agony, he was given his cross to bear which would they say would be about 100 pounds in weight. And he would have to travel on that, uh, on a, a path known as the way of suffering, so that he would be crucified at Golgotha. He was there on the cross. Nails were driven into his, uh, his hands and his feet. Seven inches in length, they reckon, that they were done. He was hung on an instrument of torture that was reserved for slaves, traitors, and the wicked. It was an excruciating pain. He was weak from the loss of blood. He was naked. He was hanging in the heat of day. And he would have to fight 
for every breath that he would take. He would have to pull himself up on his hands with the nails. Eventually, he would probably dislocate his shoulders. He went through immense agony for you and for me. I want you to know, he didn't just say, it's okay, and I'll go an easy path. When he says to you, take up your cross, and deny yourself, and follow me. He knows the pain. He knows what it means to go that path. I want to say to you, you'll never experience that kind of pain and agony in your life. But most of all, the greatest agony on the cross was when he took the sins of the world, and God the Father couldn't couldn't take sight of the sins because it was so horrendous that was put onto Jesus. And Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you left me? Why have you gone? Because there was a relationship broken because of our sin. The Son of God took our sin so that we, the sons of men, could become the children of God. I think that's marvelous. He declared, it is finished. That was a prophetic statement. It is finished. He knew that he had paid the price for us. And he was, it says there, verse 8, unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream, but he was struck down for the rebellion of his people. He had done no wrong. He had never deceived anyone. But he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. Joseph of Arimathea was a rich man. How are you going to know that actually a rich man is going to come along and offer you his grave? It's just unbelievable to think of all the, the historic events that come together and culminate in the life and death of Jesus. This is what sets... Christianity apart from the rest of the world. Verse 11 says, When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. It sets us apart from every other religion on the, on the planet. It doesn't matter which other religion it is. Our religion is the one that says our saviour died for us. An innocent lamb upon the throne so that we could know forgiveness. Uh, And none of them can offer that. It's the only one that offers forgiveness. It's the only one that offers a path. It's the only one that has the Messiah. Yes, the Israelites are still looking for their Messiah. They didn't realise that their Messiah has been. And for many of them, thank you, thankfully today, are seeing this. And it's a picture. All through the Old Testament, there's a picture of what Jesus would be. In the Old Testament, there's the, the Passover. You know, we had the ten plagues in Egypt, and they were, they, were, they, they were, you know, God's judgment was coming on the land of Egypt because of the doing. But the people of God um, were told by God that if you kill a lamb and eat the lamb and put the blood on the doorposts and the lintels, when the destroying angel comes over, you will be spared. Isn't that fantastic? 
And that was something that happened so that the Israelites, the people of God, would escape. And it's still the same today. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that enables us to escape the wrath of God. There is no other remission for sins. There's nothing else in the world that can offer you this. You can go and search all over the world, but you will never find anyone else. I think it's fantastic. And if you know, I remember J. John, I think it was, giving an illustration, and he was said, if you came to a crossroads and you didn't know whether to go left or to go right, and you thought, what do I do? I don't know. But there, when you see them, you see two dead men, and you see a living one. Who would you ask for directions? I want to tell you that Abram's died, Mohammed's died, but Jesus lives forever! And he is the one that you can go to and say, which is the way? And he will say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So when they kill that lamb, it was representing what would be coming to do. That is what distinguishes us from everyone else in the world. It's because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him, will not perish for eternity, but will have eternal life. I think that's a gift worth praising for. I think that's something that you and I can clap him about. Is that not right? Yes, and I believe we can do that. Let's, as the worship team come up, we're going to praise him. It's an opportunity just to give him thanks. Uh, we started the day with thanks in our prayer time, and, uh, and we just need to that. I think live your life for, for thanking God for what he's done. And if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, I want to say to you, and you saying, I would want to have that new life, all you have to do is pray a simple prayer. And while we're, while we're, uh, we're singing, you can just say that prayer. Put it on the Connect card and just put there and just put, I gave my life to Jesus. If you would do that, just say a simple prayer. A simple prayer that says, Heavenly Father, I thank you that I can know my sins forgiven because you sent Jesus Christ to die for me. I thank you that I can know forgiveness, I can know your grace, I can know your mercy. I thank you today that I will have power, new power to live on that comes from the Holy Spirit living in me. I know that today I can live a brand new life. Father, forgive me for all the times when I have wandered away like a sheep, done my own thing, gone my own way and just followed the herd. I pray today that you would help me to really know you and to live for you. Today, Lord, I say, I am going to take up my cross. I'm going to deny myself and I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. Amen. Thanks for listening today. If this message spoke to you and you would like prayer, or perhaps this is your first time listening, then we'd love to connect with you at www.thedestinychurch.co.uk forward slash connect. You're welcome to join us every Sunday in person or online at 11 a.m.